I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 6. There are promises in the Word of God. Remember this. Have you ever got in a car and you take a trip and say drive up to Georgia or North Carolina or anywhere else and you notice that you have to have an idea where the rest areas are. True, you have to have an idea. And sometimes they'll even have a sign, you know, one more mile to the rest area. You know where the rest areas are because sometimes you just need a break. But, you know, as you go through life, God has rest areas for you. There are promises that are in the Word of God. God knows there's times when you need to pull over and take a break, rest a little bit, refresh a little bit, and trust what the Word of God has to say. There's promises. So there's things that through circumstances and problems and all those things that forces you to come to the Lord and rest. God is always seeking to get our attention one way or the other. And the, one of the main reasons of all of our existence down here and why God did what He did, the way that He's done everything, is so that we would know God. God wants us to know what He's like. And what He has done is the best way He could have thought of. There's no other greater way for God to reveal to you and I what God is like. As you read the Scriptures, it talks about knowing the Lord, knowing the Lord, knowing the Lord. And one day, He says, everyone will know the Lord. So knowing God is what God wants us to know. So as we study the Bible, why? So we'll know God. Know why God does what He does. We may not understand how God does everything, but God works in your life and my life because He wants us to learn some more about Him. Sometimes we think we have arrived, and so God sends us a problem we can't handle. Let's just get totally frustrated with ourselves, get disappointed, get frustrated, in despair. So we are forced to run to the Lord, learn something else. So he says, whenever you have these difficulties and problems, he says, if you lack wisdom, go to the Lord and ask. And he will give to all men liberally. In other words, he won't chide you, he won't mock you, he won't make fun of you, but he wants you to learn. And so the problems of life is to get us to come to God so we'll learn some more about the Lord. Sometimes we think we've arrived. There's nothing more I can learn. Yeah. And then God steps in. But here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, I want you to look there in uh, verse 7. Remember, after you trust Christ as your Savior, the Lord looks at you as a, like, a, say you're a piece of land. And um, that piece of land, see, uh, is, is property that God has given to you. Uh, like God has given you 10 acres of land, and He's given to you to manage for Him. That's why we're called stewards. We don't own the land, we just live on the land. We're here as stewards of whatever God has for us and what He wants us to do. So on this land, you can raise some things. Now if you just let it go and don't do anything, it's going to come up with some briars and thorns. But God wants us to work the land. The scripture I read this morning in the book of Philippians in chapter 2, For it is God that worketh in you. Uh, that's called, because he, he's, he's helping you to work the land that He's given to you because He wants you to do some plowing and He wants you to plant some seeds. And if you plant the right seeds in this piece of ground that God's given us, uh, then you can have some fruit on the land. So here's a, a good example of what He's talking about. So He's not talking about how to 
be saved. He's talking about how to be fruitful. These were Hebrew Christians that had gotten to the place where they were thinking about departing from the living God, going back to the law, going back to the temple, going back to Judaism. And he's trying to tell them, what we have is so much better. You just don't understand. So you can trust Christ as Savior, and there's a lot of things we don't understand, and so there's a, a tendency to depart, to drift back, and there's a, a danger of departing from the living God for God's people. That's what he teaches. So in verse 7, he says, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it, bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. So we're talking about something producing something. And it's just like the earth can bear the fruit and produce something that's good. So he's talking about you as a believer producing things in your life. Now there's a... Um, a difference of opinion on whether or not when he talks about in John chapter 15, it's mentioned several times about you and I, we are to bear fruit, but we don't produce the fruit. God produces the fruit, but we're to bear the fruit. Then he says in the book of uh, Galatians in chapter 6, bear ye one another's burdens, not produce their burdens. Is there a difference? We're not to produce their burdens, we're supposed to help bear their burdens. So the same thing with fruit. We can bear fruit, but we don't really produce the fruit because that's a work of the Lord and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And we're the branches, but we bear the fruit. But if it wasn't because the branch was in the vine, there wouldn't be any fruit. So this is what I believe he's talking about here. So if you, as a piece of land will drink in the Word of God and believe the Word of God, receive the Word of God, you can bring forth things that will be a blessing from God. Fruit that will be a blessing. And everyone wants the blessings of God upon their life. You ever ask God to bless your life? Most Christians do. I want the blessings of God. Well, the blessings of God is going to be because I receive the Word of God. Now, in the book of Isaiah... I think around chapter 55 or so, it talks about the Word of God is like rain that comes down, waters everything, and it says it's like His seed that goes out and will not return void. To believe that the Word of God that you drink in from the Word of God is going to produce something in your life. So our biggest job is to receive the Word, but the previous chapter says you're dull of hearing. That means you're, you don't want to receive it anymore. You don't want to listen to what God has to say. You're getting tired and you're getting weary. You're, you're getting worn down. And you're not going to produce and you're not going to have that joy that you, you really want. So notice the next verse. It says there in verse 8, But that, talking about the earth, which beareth thorns and briars, is rejected. And is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So there's things that can be produced in your life, like briars and thorns, that's going to be burned. The Bible also relates this in uh, Corinthians, where he talks about when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And our works are going to be revealed. And there's gold, silver, precious stone. And there's wood, hay, and stubble. And the wood, hay, and the stubble is a wasted life. Many of God's children are going to waste their life and it's going to be like going up in smoke because it will be looked upon and discerned by the fiery eyes of the Lord. 
When you read the book of Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says, and the eyes of the Lord are like a fire. Uh, that's who is going to be looking at what we have done. And the gold, silver, and the precious stones, the fire won't hurt it. But it will totally dissolve everything else. And many people are going to have a wasted life. So the Lord doesn't want these Christians to waste their lives. He had done so much for them. And they have come so far. They have been through a lot of battles. And now they were kind of get into the place where is it worth it anymore? You and I, how many of y'all have been here have been saved more than five years? How many of you have been saved more than 10 years? How many have been saved more than 20 years? More than 30 years? How many have been saved more than 40 years? How many have been saved more than 50 years? The hands are getting lower and lower. How many have been saved more than 60 years? Just a couple of you. But you see, the longer you have known the Lord and served the Lord, do you realize of all those years, would you want to waste your life now? Of all the good that you have done, all the rewards that have been laid up in heaven, which you cannot lose what you've laid up, but God wants you to receive a full reward. Serve the Lord all the days of your life. If we will, God said that he would bless us. But look again what he says here in verse 8. But that which beareth thorns and briars rejected. Verse 9. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. Better things than what? Briars and thorns. It wants you to be blessed. I want God's blessings upon me, so I know that if I hear the word and obey the word, then God is going to bless me. That's going to be a result. So I don't have to worry about the blessings of God if I will simply drink in the word and let the word change my life. And trusting that he will produce in my life what needs to be produced. I just need to bear the fruit so that people can see, look, I put my confidence and my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I've also put my confidence and trust in the Lord for my life. And so he says here in the last part of verse 9, And things that, get this, accompany salvation, though he does speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. So if we talk about work and labor of love, we know we're not talking about salvation. That has to be referring to service. So those who will serve the Lord can have the blessings of God. Those who don't believe what the Word of God says are not going to have the blessings of God, but you're going to have briars and thorns, and it's all going to be a wasted life. So as you go through the book of Hebrews, and it's talking constantly about believe, 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 and not forsaking that which you know to be true. Don't let the devil wear you out to where you get to the place where you think it's not worth Continually being faithful. We've got to keep on keeping on all the days of our life. And then notice what it says in verse 11. He makes this statement, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to full assurance of hope unto the end, the end of your race, the end of your life, to the very end when there's nothing else left to give. Keep believing the promises of God. Now understand this about the promises of God. The promises of God are rest areas. They're places where you go and you can rest because you're trusting what God says. You're believing what God says. 
Believing the promise is not working yourself to death. It's just taking God at his word and having the patience to wait upon the Lord. Because there are some things that you will see fulfilled in your life. And as you live your life here, you will find out that if you obey, you'll see mighty blessings of God working in your life. And if you don't serve the Lord, you're going to see a lot of briars and thorns in your life. And you'll see those things, and they are the result of promises that God has made for obedience or disobedience. Now, there are some promises that will not take place in this lifetime. Some of those promises will take place after we leave this world. Did God promise that we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ? Yes, that's after we leave this world. Now, there are certain things here, and there are certain things there. So when you study even the book of Hebrews, it says, and they received the promises of God. And then in another place it says, and they received not the promises of God. Because some are here and some are there. So while we're here, we are to believe the promises of God about here and about there. So that we keep those things in mind. So that's why he says in verse 12, therefore be ye not slothful. That means don't be lazy. Don't be a lazy Christian. Have you ever met lazy Christians? They're just too lazy to do what God wants them to do. You've always got to keep making a concerted effort to faithfully serve the Lord with all your heart. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And you'll notice there, these are people that well, had learned many things, did many things. And I covered this one night with you, but from a different angle, but I want to show you this to you. You see there in verse 32, he said, I want you to call to remembrance. Remember what you've heard, what you've learned, what you've gone through, the sacrifices you've made, all the years of your faithfulness to the Lord, your dedication, the hours you spent, the money you've given, you're sacred. All this. Can you remember? You probably don't remember everything. I was trying to remember some things the other day, and I knew parts of it. And then Betty says, Yankee, you remember blah, 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 blah. I said, no, I have no clue. She said, remember the blah, 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 blah. I said, honey, I do not remember. Finally, she says, you know where you had, you know, this took place? Yes, now I remember. She just did that this afternoon. And I remember, okay, that's the place where I put my hands on the clothesline. <laughs> and trying to remember the address of a certain house that we lived in 50 years ago for a short period of time. But it was when both kids got sick, wound up in the hospital, no job, no hospitalization, no nothing, and I'm going to school, and it was just bad news. Nothing ever seemed to work out smooth for me. I had to struggle all the way through, and I used to wonder whether or not it was worth it at all. And so I went out one night with my hands on the clothesline. In the dark, Betty was in the house. And I had my hands on the clothesline, and I was blessing God out. I mean, I had a time with me and God. I was mad. I was angry. I was crying. I was emotional, very emotional. And I was talking out loud, and I was talking to God. And I held nothing back, and I was talking to God about how he is on the verge of ruining his testimony. Because I said, God, I am your child, and I'm trusting you. But if you don't come through, if you don't come through, you realize I'm going to tell everybody you did not come through. I said, but if you will do what you say you'll do, I'll tell everybody. 
Boy, did I eat my words for a while. Ooh. Have you ever had to eat your own words and they don't taste so good? Have you ever got to eat crow? Ugh. And it doesn't taste very good. But look what he says here in verse 32. But call to remembrance the former days. So you see, these are things they have already experienced. They've gone through things. It's like y'all have been here for a long time. You've gone through some Awana programs years ago. You've gone through some of y'all to go all the way back to ranch. Some of you trusted Christ as Savior because of uh, Dr. Linsom on the radio. And you've been here and you've seen things and, and all the pressures and some of the problems. And I mean, you, you've got a history. But you're still here and you're still faithful. Don't stop now. We're too close to home. So he says here, But call to remembrance the former days in which after uh, you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. A lot of things that afflicted you. A lot of problems. A lot of heart. A lot of stress. Hey, these Hebrew Christians were suffering. Some of them were being killed. They paid a great price back in the early church age. And there was people trying to kill the Christians. And one of them by the name of, um, what was his name? Paul. His name was Saul, and then he became Paul. But he did a lot of damage to the church. And you're talking about how the persecution was great. So there was a price. And he says, you endured so much. And then they would take up offers. Some of them sold everything that they had for the cause of Christ. So they'd get the gospel to more people. And everybody had the same thing, but they did it willingly, voluntarily. And then later on, they had to take up offerings from people over in Macedonia and take up offerings to give to those poor saints in Jerusalem. Well, why were they so poor? Because they gave up everything. They paid a price to get everything going because they believed it. And they believed that Christ was coming back soon. And now he didn't come. Now all their resources were gone. Now there's great persecution great fight of affliction. And they had gone through that. And he says here, ye endured a great fight of affliction. See, this endured is the same thing you find over there in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 when it talks about Christ. Endured. And you and I are supposed to endure. You don't enjoy a lot of things in the Christian life. People don't always treat you right. Things don't always work out right. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you're defrauded. Sometimes people lie about you. And you can't get even... There's no justice. Don't worry about it. There's somebody who keeps the books on everything, and God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of blood. God remembers. If you believe that and trust that, then you don't have to worry about it. Otherwise, you're going to have a vengeful spirit. You're going to have a get-even attitude. I'm going to make them pay what they did to me. You don't have to make anybody pay anything. Just be faithful and do what God wants you to do. Because if you don't, you'll find yourself getting unraveled and entangled in the affairs of the things of this life that you cannot please him who has called you to be a good soldier. So then he says here in verse 33, Partly while you were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and affliction, partly while you became companions of them that were so used. In other words, because you were associated with us, you paid a price for that. You may pay a price just because you come to this church. Or you go to that church over there where that preacher teaches that once saved, always saved. You'd be surprised what people can have to go through. So, you may have to bear it. Some people can't bear it. They can't take it. 
There's always something. But look what else he says here. He says in verse 34, For ye had compassion of me and my bond, took joyfully spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience. Now get this statement. After ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. See, there's promises that you'll receive while you're here, but it's after you do the will of God. Sometimes we want God to pay us in advance. No, you be faithful, and then payday someday. You don't know how God's going to bless down the road. Don't worry about it. You just believe that He will. That's you're being patient. And you're not going to say, well, I'll serve the Lord if, and I'll serve the Lord if. No, then you'll be an if I oughta only. And there's a club called that, if I had only club. You don't want to be a member of that club. So you put your confidence in the Lord and serve the Lord. And don't worry about anything else. God will take care of the future. You just do the right that you know to do while you can. And this is what he says here in verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence. Verse 36, for ye had need of patience. You had need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And he says, he's coming. You see there, he's coming. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now, just look there in chapter 9. Somebody else, he's promised he's going to come. Uh, they thought he might have come back right then on the spot, but he didn't come back then. So in verse 28 of chapter 9, he says, So Christ was once Offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, some people are not going to be looking for him, but he's still going to appear. He is going to appear. There are some people that will be looking for the Lord, and there's going to be some people that are going to be ashamed. Because he says there's a reward mentioned in the book of James to those who love his appearing. Those who serve Him because they're looking for Him. They're expecting it. And to expect the Lord to come at any time is what helps the Christian to purify his life. That's what he's talking about in 1 John chapter 3. We don't know what we shall be like, but we know we shall be like Him, but we shall see Him as He is. And those who have this hope purifieth themselves. So we purify our life because of the hope that we are going to meet Jesus soon. Or He could come at any time. His promise is sure. Be patient. Wait, it's going to take place. Now take your Bible and turn to chapter 12. Chapter 12, and I want you to look there with me in verse 23. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. The Lord had told us about how that God came down and talked to Moses on Mount Sinai. And at that time, the people were afraid. They were trembling because he'd also gave them a, a warning, don't touch this mount, because if you touch this mount, you can be shot through with little darts, radiation, whatever you want to call it. But they wouldn't live. So there was a great price to pay, and people were scared. But in verse 22, he says, But you're coming to Mount Zion, a different mount, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all. And get this statement. This is a tremendous statement. And to the spirits 
of just men made what? The spirits of just men made perfect. So as you go through Hebrews, you'll find out the law could not make you perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. Man could not be made perfect by his works under the law, but by faith in Christ, a man can be made perfect. So God is the father of just men made perfect. Look there in chapter 12 and look down there also in verse 9. Where it says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father? This is why God is our father. Remember, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we are born of God. God becomes our Father. When Jesus says, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. Well, God, the Father, is going to give us to the Son. And all that the Father gives to me shall come, and I'll never cast them out. So you see, we are the inheritance that the Son receives because of the payment He made for the sins of the world. That's also mentioned in the second psalm where it talks about we will be his inheritance. We are what he's after. But it's not Jesus that gives us the new birth as in a sense. We're born of God, the Father. And therefore, he is the Father of spirits made perfect. And then we will be given to the Son because we're the bride that will be given to the Son. And the Son will never divorce his wife. Now, is that good or not? Jesse would say, is that good? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Now, here in Hebrews, notice what he says in verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. You see, God told them in the Old Testament under Moses what to do. And they said, all that he told us we will do. But did they? They never kept the law for 1,500 years. Now, he says, this salvation that we have, don't neglect so great a salvation. Don't depart from this wonderful salvation that God has given to us. I'm not talking about you can't depart from the salvation you've been saved, but this message that God has given to the purpose that God has given us. You see, we're saved, saved, saved. When you trusted Christ, you were saved from the penalty of sin. In our life, we're being saved from the power of sin. And then one day we'll be saved from the very presence of sin. So we're saved, saved, saved. Don't let this pass you by. Don't depart from the living God and start following the world and drifting into things that will be nothing but briars and thorns and just wasting your life. Keep dedicated to the Lord. Don't stop now. 